Okay, um, Sarah says I'm going to speak on legacy. This month we started a series on standing out, and, and I believe that's how God thinks. You know, when Jesus, when Jesus met the disciples, he wasn't just thinking about that day, looking after them, which was important to him. He was actually thinking about the generations to come, which is like me and you today, which is, which is mind-blowing for someone like, how do you think that far ahead? That's what God thinks, I believe, that far ahead. And today I want to look at Jesus, and I want to look at the le- legacy that Jesus left the disciples. Um, I don't know about you have, you, have you ever received an inheritance, or maybe you're waiting for an inheritance um, maybe you think, ah, oh, there's no inheritance coming to my, uh, my life because my parents didn't, I don't have much. Or, and when I used to go to my nans, we used to go round and we'd pick the things that we wanted. Anybody else do this? We're like, nan, I really want that. She's like, yeah, you can have it. And my brother, because he was five years older than me, he had five years advancement. So most of the good things had been claimed. Right? So there was these monks, these little China figures, and they were monks, but they were being a bit mischievous. They were sitting around a table, and some of the monks were drinking beer, and some of the monks were playing cards. And my brother, being a bit mischievous, he claimed them. There were seven monks, and I wanted them. So I had this idea, because my nan used to put things on the bottom. She'd write your name on the bottom, a little sticker. Right? Then we're going, is this sad? I tell you what, it saved the arguing when she'd gone, right? She, you'd put the name on the bottom, Paul, Sean, and they'd go on the bottom. And I had this idea, when no one's there, I'm going to change the names over. Then I'm going to get the monks. But you know what, Sean knew they were his, right? So it didn't work. But the bottom line of it is, we're all, we're all waiting to receive something. You might think, well, I've got nothing coming to me. Yes, you have. People make an impression on your life. People's choices affect you. Your choices affect other people. The the way you behave will affect somebody. You leave a mark somewhere. Good marks and bad marks, would you agree? It's called looking at the trail behind you. You know, look what's behind you. What did you leave in the room? I didn't leave anything. I've gone. No, you will leave some impression in the room. So it's not just about receiving an inheritance as in finance. It's more than that. You're, you're, you're passing something on. You're passing your beliefs on. You're passing you know, good things on to believe in better things. You're passing faith on. You're passing hope on. Ultimately, you're passing love on. So it's more than just finance. It's actually bigger than that, I believe. So I'm going to look at Jesus. And what did Jesus leave us? What did he leave the disciples more importantly? And I believe as we look at this, it encouraged them, it empowered them, and it can encourage and empower us today. So let's look at John 14, verse 15. Sorry, sorry, sorry. John 14, verse 13 and 15, please. It says, And I I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Have you, ever, have you ever prayed one of them prayers? God, I'm asking for this, and you don't get it. Or is it just me? You know, you, you, you know someone who's not very well, and you pray for them. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, and it doesn't happen. And then you're left thinking, but you said, if I ask anything in your name, then I'll get it. So why didn't it happen? And then we can be left a little bit confused and actually quite hurt at times. And then we can personalize it and take it inward and say, obviously I haven't got enough faith. 
I'm obviously not good enough. I, I, I don't obviously believe in who this Jesus is enough that now I, I asked in your name and it didn't happen. And we can be left a bit disillusioned with this faith thing. Anybody else done this? I've had the last few years, we've had people pass away in our family. Jesus, I'm asking, I'm asking. And it doesn't happen. And sometimes I wonder why. Just being real with you this morning. But he says, ask anything in my name and I will give it to you. My first point is this. This is what Jesus gives us, his name. He says, in my name. I'm going to address some my things that he says this morning. In the, in the chapter of John that we're reading here, what was about to happen, Jesus was about to go. He said, I'm going. And they're all wondering, where are you going, Jesus? We'll come with you. He says, no, I'm going to go and leave you. He said, and the, I'm going to prepare a place for you and you can come to be with me. It, it, it's a big place. There's lots of room. Don't worry, you're going to be with me. And they're all worried about Jesus going. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'll prepare a place. It's okay. And then he reassures them in this conversation with some things he's going to give them. And I believe these are relevant to us today. And the one thing I want to hit this morning is he says, in my name, the name of Jesus. How powerful is the name of Jesus this morning? The Bible says he's above all things. He's above all things. Everything that you face this morning, Jesus has been there. He's been through it. He's conquered it. He's reigning above it. He's the king above all things, the Bible says. The name of Jesus is powerful. The Bible teaches us that every knee shall bow before the name of Jesus. Every, everybody will give account to our lives before Jesus. No one is going to get beyond that. There's no other way to God apart from through Jesus. No other way. Jesus is the greatest and you know, at that time when they were being told this, they didn't know that Jesus was the greatest. They just, they just thought Jesus was another guy who was, who was being raised up to be this kind of new leader of a revolt against the Romans. And hopefully, this new Jesus, this new Messiah, as they call them, they weren't looking for a God thing. They were actually just looking for a human being like David, King David, to rule and to reign. They didn't know it was going to be a God thing. They thought it was a God thing working through a person, but they didn't realize Jesus was God himself. They just thought he was another man. So for them, they're being told, if you ask anything in my name, my Father in heaven will give it to you. So what is Jesus promising then? If we're to line up with what is God promising for us, and if I ask in his name, he'll give it to me. Does anybody want this inheritance? So what is he saying that we can have? What is he promising he can, we can have? Well, if we read in John 14, he says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So the disciples are worried about what's going to happen. Where, where, where are you going, Jesus? And then Jesus says, If you ask, I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another one, and he's going to be with you, and he'll never leave you. And do you mean another one? Jesus, we want you. Who are you going to send now, another one? Anybody like beans? bit random. Anybody like beans? Put your hands up if you like beans. Who prefers Heinz baked beans? Yeah, it's got to be Heinz, hasn't it? It's got to be Heinz. Beans, beans, no, I'm not arguing. Beans, 
beans, other beans other than Heinz, are not beans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry they're not. No frills are no frills. They're not beans. Don't care what you say. They're not beans. They're no frills stuff. Beans are Heinz. There's no other name. There's Heinz. In the name of Heinz, beans were made. There's no other name. Would you agree? Have you ever watched that program on the TV where they go around a house and try and save them money? And they take all the labels off and then they, they change the tomato. Heinz, in the name of Heinz sauce, they put a different one on. And then they eat and eat and they're going, this is Heinz, this is. I know my Heinz. It's Heinz, Heinz, daddy. We only like Heinz. And then they have the coffee. This is Nescafe. And they've changed all the labels and they're having it and they're convinced in their head that they're the right ones, they're the same. And they're there in the background going, they're not the same ones. I'm convinced this is Heinz. Why am I telling you this? Because when you read there when it says another, the Greek there when you look at it, it's another. It doesn't mean another but a different kind. He's not giving us, well, I've got Heinz because I'm Jesus and I'm going to give you no frills. Well, I'm going to give you little because you don't deserve it. He says, I've got Heinz and my Heinz is for you. And if you ask in the name of Heinz, guess what you're going to get? Heinz. You're not getting second best cheap, no frills. You're getting the best. What he's saying is this. It's not another one of a different kind. He says it's another one of the same kind. That's how it translates. Oh. So Jesus, we ask in your name and we're going to receive another one who's the same of you. Different in a way. Because it's a different form. It's not in human form. It's in spirit form. And he's going to come and reside in you that they don't fully understand yet. And he's going to be the same as Jesus. Wow. So now Jesus is going to be with me and never leave me. Jesus is never going to abandon me because the same Jesus that was walking then is now the same Jesus that is in the spirit. Does that make sense? It's not a different kind. Oh, them Christians over there. Oh, the pastor, it's all right for him. He gets Heinz. Well, I get the same as blinking you. Unfortunately, we get the same. Get over it. We get the same. But it's not no frills. It's in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If we go to the Father and ask, he will give another one, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, the one who leads us in truth. Who will reveal Jesus to us. You know, there's a guy in the, in the, at the birth of Jesus recorded in Luke. His name is Simeon. And he's, I, don't, I, I don't really know much about him. Apart that it says he's a righteous man. He's a devout man. So he's obviously seeking God. And on this one day, it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. And he said he went to the temple. And on that day, he said he saw Jesus. Now, Jesus is just a baby. Just any other baby in the temple that would be taken, on that day, Jesus is in the temple. And he says this, he saw Jesus and he said, I will now die in peace. My eyes have seen the salvation of God. How did he see, how did an ordinary baby and no frills all of a sudden become Heinz? Sorry, Jesus, I've called you Heinz. The point is this, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was on him and the Holy Spirit led him. And the Holy Spirit revealed who Jesus was. 
No other one can reveal Jesus to the Holy Spirit. You, you, you can try with all of your might and all of your logic and all of your intelligence to find Jesus. If the Holy Spirit does not reveal Jesus to you, you will not know Jesus. I'm sorry. The Father, the Son, and Jesus, they all work together. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals God to you. On that day, he saw Jesus. He saw salvation. If you see Jesus and put your faith in Jesus, you see salvation. It's just that simple. You're here today. I'll preach. I'll tell you all about Jesus. This Jesus who died. This Jesus who was risen again from the dead. This Jesus who ascended. If you put your faith in Jesus, God will reveal Jesus to you in a way that will blow your mind. And you can say, now I've seen Jesus. I've seen salvation. I don't know how it works. I don't know how Simeon went in a temple and saw a baby and realized it was the savior of the world. But something happened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the advocate. He's the one when you're going through it and you don't know what to do. He's the one who will comfort you. And, and the disciples were about to go through something that was horrendous. And they were fearful. But Jesus says, you ask in my name and I will send you another. And it's the other that you need. Now, you think, wow, Jesus, why couldn't you stay with us? Why couldn't you just stay with us so we can see you in physical form? I think we struggle with this. I think our logical minds like to see a physical form. We like to put things in boxes. This is what church is. Church is this building. I come to church. We, no, no, no. Church is where God dwells. Yes, this is church, and we use the building to gather, but the church is you. Jesus never gave a physical form. If he'd have left a physical form, they'd have been followed him around for years. You know, imagine, imagine if Jesus, right, he'd have left... It left like a cup, the Holy Grail. How obsessed would we be with a cup that Jesus held? Get over it, it's a cup. Jesus was more than that. It was actually more abstract than that, and we struggle with it. I want to see where Jesus, no, no. Jesus said, in my name, if you ask, and I will give you. It's the gift of God, it's the spirit of God that's available for you. And he's the same as Jesus. He will testify of who Jesus is in your life. He will witness and he'll cause you to testify of who Jesus is in your life. So what does he give us? My name. The second thing he gives us are my commandments. You see, I believe if we inherit these things, they will leave a mark on us and the generations to come. The very reason we can speak about this today is because somebody chose to believe in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit and pass on this message through centuries. And they also chose to live by the commandments of God. So John 14, 15 says this. If you love me... So Jesus has told them all about God's love and he's going to demonstrate God's love. But then he flips it onto the disciples If you love me, keep my commands. Oh, right, I've got to do something now. I was happy to receive the Holy Spirit, but now I've got to actually do something with this thing. I don't believe God is actually here. Jesus is just telling them to go and do something. I think he's doing more than this. I think he's actually giving them a definition of what a believer looks like. He's saying this, if you love me, then you'll love. That's what you will look like. If you truly follow me, if you ask in my name, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. The fruit of what you will demonstrate will be love. 
He's given us a definition. He's not telling them to do something else. He's already given their teachings. He's going to demonstrate what that love looks like by laying down his life. He's given them a definition of what following Jesus looks like. If you love, love. Anybody like the darts? I'm going to lose 99% of the church, right? Come on, come on, brother. The darts. Just me, right? So talk to me and Darren, right? I, I like darts. Okay, bear with me on this. It might not be darts for you. It might be football. It might be rugby. It might be sewing. It might be knitting. Whatever it is, you love it, right? You love something. Sorry? I don't know what that one was, but... Okay, right? You love something, right? I love the darts. I watch the darts. There's this song in the darts. It says this. Stand up. If you love the darts, stand up. If you love the darts, stand up. If you love the darts... Now, remember, they've been filled with a different kind of spirit at the darts, Right? But one starts, stand up if you love the dog. And the other one, stand up if you love the dog. Stand up if you love the dog. And the whole dog arena is going, stand up if you love the dog. They're like that. They're passionate. Anybody in here, like rugby. Stand up if you love the rugby. Stand up. No one's going to do it. If you, yeah, I don't like rugby, can you tell? But there's something that you're passionate about and you'll go, I'll do that. Well, stand up if you love Jesus. Come on, stand up if you love Jesus. Stand, do you see what I'm saying? Stand up if you love Jesus. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. I think this is what Jesus is saying in this definition. Love if you love me. Love if you love me. Love if you love me. Go and love if you love me. That's what he's saying. Go and love him like I have loved you. You know, there's a great example at the end in Acts chapter 7. It's Stephen. Stephen was a follower of Jesus. He'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets accused of different things. He stands up and he preaches from the Old Testament about what Jesus was, the fulfillment of Jesus, and that Jesus has been killed by these religious leaders. And they start, they start to grab him and they throw him outside because he's blaspheming. And then they get stones and they begin to stone him for his faith. Can you imagine that? Jesus, can you sort this out? Jesus, can you just sort my problems out? Jesus, can you stop these people picking on me, saying things about me, throwing stones at me? Jesus, can you just go and put fire on them and deal with them? That's what we're like, isn't it? But what does, how, does Jesus, how does Peter testify? Just as the stone him, he says he looks up to heaven and he says these words right at the end. He says, Father, he says, God, Lord, forgive them of these sins that they do not know. Wow. Forgive them for their sins they do not do. What is that? That is the mark that Jesus has left on him. And that can only be outworked by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way a person can be punished like that and behave in such a depth of love towards people who are wronging him I'm sorry I I don't think it's possible I think that is probably one of the most greatest influences on the church in the New Testament not the big building not the lights not the best preacher no the testimony of what that man left there was a man standing next to him his name was Saul 
And he was witnessing the death of a guy who was a so-called Jesus follower who was being stoned under probably his orders as well. He was affirming it and saying, yeah, it's okay. He was witnessing this so-called Jesus follower who was willing to die and then offer forgiveness for his sinners. I just wonder what that was doing on Paul who later gets converted and becomes Paul, sorry, on Saul, who later gets converted and becomes Paul, how much witness and influence is that having on Paul, who would then write some of the greatest letters in the New Testament? You see, we don't have to have it all together to leave a mark on a generation. We just have to make choices and lean on the power of the Holy Spirit in your weakness and leave a good testimony about the name of Jesus and about the love of Jesus how you are loved and that love then overflows to the love of others even our enemies do you find that challenging we look at Stephen we don't really talk much about him probably the greatest influence on the New Testament you can discuss that one but the advocate here is known as the paraclete sorry I've jumped I've missed something I want to go back to, to, to the Holy Spirit he's the paraclete Paracletos. Quite a difficult thing to, to describe, actually. But the Paracletos is, is, the, is God manifesting to you. Why do you need that? Why did Jesus need to go so that you could receive the Holy Spirit? So that God's presence in your life could be magnified. It would magnify the presence of God that you could only have listening to Jesus. Now it becomes personal to you and it magnifies God's spirit and God's presence in your life. So that you can then, the presence of God and the relationship with God, so that then you can love people. That's it, that's the purpose of it. Is to magnify God's love towards you and then it magnifies it towards others. That's the purpose of God. What's going to mark us as a church? That we sing the loudest songs. Now I'm up for singing songs, right? Stand up if you love the, yeah? Darts, whatever. I'll stand up and sing. And I think we should do that. But it's not really what should mark us. It's not the mark that Jesus took on the cross that would mark us the mark that he took was his love towards us therefore what is our mark towards others our mark is to love others Jesus said they will know you my disciples by how you sing about loving the darts no he didn't say that he says they'll know you my disciples by how how you love one another that's it I'm sorry as simple as my preach this morning that is it is the way we love one another How we love one another. Not how the pastor loves you. Sorry. How we love one another. How we love one another. I'll love you. I'll be here. I'll be faithful. I'll do what I can. And I'll love who's closest to me. But we've got to love one another. That's the church. <laughs> so, my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. I think we struggle with obedience sometimes in this world. We've all got rights, and I don't want to do as I'm told. I want to do what? This whole independent living, you know, independent thinking, what I want to do. But you know, if Sarah said to me, would you go to the shop for me? Four times out of ten, I might forget if I don't write it down. But that's not the point. If Sarah asked me to go to the shop, what do I do? Do I obey or not? 
Well, it depends if there's chocolate on the list. <laughs> Why would I not do something for somebody who I love? Do you see what I'm saying? If Jesus is asking us to do something, why would we not do it if we love Jesus? It's simple. But we have us struggling with obedience because it has a negative connotation of being forced to do something. No, it's not legalistic. It's relational. Go to the shop. No, I went last week. You go next week. You, you go. I went three times last week and I counted and it's your turn to go to the shop this week. Jesus, someone else can do it. I've done it once. No, it's about the heart. It's about the life. It's about the freedom. It's about the enjoyment of relationships and loving one another. What can I do to help you? It's partnership. Partnership. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration that I felt last week that came to me. Can you put the, um, the cart up? See this cart? I think sometimes this is, why, this is how we see Christianity. Jesus has given us a burden to carry... And I'm going to pick the burden up and I'm going to carry it. And after so long of trying to do this thing, I'm tired. I'm going to put it down. I need a rest. And I'll, I won't go to church for a while because I need a rest. Or I won't, I, won't, I won't. Does anybody feel like this? I think this is how we sometimes do church in relationship with God. Right? I don't think that's how it should be. Show me the next slide. This is a yoke. Okay, this is a yoke. So Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, when they're talking about, he's talking about people being tired. If you're tired and weary, come to me and I will give you rest. And then he says, my yoke. So he's talking about his commandments, his teachings. Okay, that, that was a thing that happened. You would be yoked together with a teaching. And it, there would be an agreement where two people gathered, they would agree on the yoke and the yoke would be defined and that was the way that they would live. The problem was, there was a lot of legalistic stuff and the religious people put things on people that shouldn't have been put things on. Like, if you, if you do not think you're on the Sabbath, then for 30 days, then you cannot eat food. Well, that's kind, isn't it? There's loads and loads of laws like that, right? You can read about them. But Jesus gives this illustration. I believe he's talking about his teachings, which is love, but he's also giving this, and he's saying this. Listen, my yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So whose yoke is it? Jesus. It's not my yoke. It's not my yoke, it's his yoke, right? And he's not saying, there's the yoke, you go and carry it. It's more like this, I'm on one side and you're on the other. And together, we will carry this. Does that make sense? But most of us go, oh, I'll pick it up again, doing this for Jesus. I'm all on my yoke. No, Jesus is, Jesus is yoked with you. He says, it's my yoke, not yours. They're my commandments, not yours. They're mine. And I want to partner with you. I want you to realize I am infused in this with you. You cannot separate yourself from me. We are in this together. That changes the dynamic then. I'm not carrying this wagon every day on my own. No, Jesus is carrying the load with me. And we're together. He's infusing me with the Holy Spirit. that will empower me by his grace because I'm too weak to carry it on my own. So praise God that he wants to empower you for life. See the difference. This is what I thought God showed me in the service in the worship last week. He says, there's people in here who are carrying it like this. And it's too much. It's too much for you. And God's saying, I don't want you, it's not like that, Paul. Teach them this. This is what it's like. I am in it with them. The disciples were worried and in fear. What does he do? Send the Holy Spirit. Ask him my name and I'll give you the Holy Spirit. Today, if you've never received the Holy Spirit, you can receive the Holy Spirit by faith. 
Sometimes we need an infilling of the Holy Spirit to, to be refreshed, to be healed. God can release power in your life, a renewal. You know, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come upon people, certain people. In the New Testament, it says it's for all people. Joel 2, two right? I will pour out on all flesh. Oh, not me. No, all, all, everyone. Every, every, everyone is going to receive the Holy Spirit if you believe in God. Everyone, no limitations, no matter if your creed, no matter if your, wherever you come from, your skin color, your nation, all nations are going to gather. Everyone is available, the Holy Spirit. The same that was with Simeon that led him into the temple, it's the same spirit that wants to be with you and lead you in your life. And actually wants to do this, he wants to lead us away from the temple out into the world. That's the difference. Not all about coming to the temple. It's about coming to the temple, being encouraged, being fed, being watered, being healed, whatever, encouraging, and then get out into the world and be my witness. Just like Stephen. Hopefully you won't get stoned. But when people do stone you at work, whatever, just ask Jesus for help. Okay, and the last one is this. This is what he gives. So he gives, are you with me? My name, my commandments, and the last one is this, my peace. my peace. He says, John 14, peace, I leave you. So the disciples who were worrying, he says, peace, I leave you. And then he says this, my peace, I give you. Wow. God's peace. Not my peace, not man-made peace, not even peace from you know, trying to do what's right in the world. There's all of that, which is your integrity. If you do what's right, then you'll be at peace because you've done what's right. That's your peace. That's your conscience. We're talking about God's peace by his spirit. We're talking about being made right with God through what Jesus did and then makes, he reconciles you to him through what Jesus did and now you have peace with God. He says, it's my peace I'm going to give you. And then he says this, I do not give as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. How does the world give peace? Well, it promises and doesn't fulfill. Or it says, I'll give it you, but when you're not earning it, I'll take it back off you. Because you're not good enough. You don't deserve. You're not living up to the standards. You're, you're, you're not carrying off load. You're not doing enough. Now, there is a burden to carry, there is a yoke, but it's light and it's easy if we do it with him. But the point is this, the peace of God is only available through Jesus. There's no other place to get it from. He said, it's my peace and I give it to you. Why is this important? Because people like Stephen, when he's getting stoned and abused for what he believes in and he's trying to love people, he has a peace. He has an inner peace. He has a deeper peace that he's learned on the journey. He's learned what it is to, to understand God in different situations and rely on him, not in his own strength. And on that day, he'd been formed more like Christ, I believe, and supernaturally God's peace was with him. And this peace that he gives us, he never takes away. He never does. And I'm sure there's people in here who can testify of the peace of God through storms. The peace of, peace of God that I didn't understand in here, but was able to carry me through things. My peace, 
I give you. You know, Psalm 85, verse 10, it's not up here, it says this, that righteousness, one of my favorite scriptures, that righteousness and peace kiss together. Wow. When it says in the Bible about kiss, it means kiss, right? It's not just... I'll say to Sarah, can I have a kiss? She goes, that's not a kiss, babe. I was going to get you up here today. I thought, no, we won't do that. But the point, the point is this, right? The point is this. That, that is intimacy. Righteousness and peace kiss. Where God's righteousness is, there is peace. It's inseparable. When you go and do what's right, you will have peace. Because it's inseparable. It's your integrity. You can leave the room knowing that you've done right, even though they disagree with you. You can leave the room when people abuse you, even though you've done what's right towards them. Because righteousness and peace kiss. They are so intimate, you cannot separate them. You want peace? Do what's right. That doesn't always mean that right things will be done towards you. But your own integrity from the inside out. You walk in truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you to do what's right and in truth. And as you do that, greater peace will be available for you through you doing what's right. Peace, my peace. He doesn't remove it. You know, sometimes people say, oh, the devil's just got my peace. It's Jesus' peace. He can't take your peace. You may have some mental stuff going on, some emotional stuff, but we're talking about your spirit and your spirit being at rest and peace with God. That's deeper than your emotion. That should override your emotion so your mind says, no, I have peace with God. Emotions come in line with my spirit and be spirit-led. Sorry, I know that's a challenge. I don't always get that right, by the way. Are you still with me? I want to read something that I read in a commentary. And then I just feel to do some things prophetically with this morning. I feel like I've got a few prophetic things that God has given me for people. And I'm just going to share them and leave them in the you. Then you can respond. I'd encourage you to come down for prayer after. Um, but I just want to read this thing about Jesus. And we're going to praise God in a minute. It says about Jesus, it says, His story was only the beginning of God's work. That labor has continued century after centuries in fresh generations of believers who have shared the blessing of relationship he provides. As believers, we belong to a great train of witnesses spanning the ages, generation after generation, who have lifted their voices. Stand up if you love the darts. That's what that's about. And offered their souls in gratitude for what the life of Jesus meant. And one day in heaven, face to face with men, women of every generation and every nation, we will offer thanks before him, will we not? That's what we're going to do. So guess what? Why not start now? Why not start now giving thanks for what he's done in your life? Don't leave it till we get to heaven. He's to be thanked now. My prayer this morning is that God would fill your heart with thankfulness. As you thank God, you'll be realized how thankful for you are for what you've got in your life. As you begin to praise him, God will begin to do a work in your life. The Holy Spirit would begin to reveal some things in your life, I believe. That's what God wants to do. So I'm going to ask, uh, Tim, are you on keys, Tim? You want to come on? So you want to leave a mark? You want to leave a, meg- a legacy? I believe the name of Jesus 
hold on to his name, believe in him, ask. Commandments of God, just go and love people. When people aren't kind, just love again. Believe in love, believe in Jesus. And peace, the peace of God that's available today for you. If you don't know that peace, you can know that peace today by putting your faith in Jesus, believe that he died for you, for the forgiveness for your sin, you can believe that today. Maybe you just thought, I'm just turning up for church today, but maybe today's your day. So this is what I'm going to just, a few things I want to say. A couple of things, one of which I've shared. The first one was the carrying of the thing on your own. I believe some people are doing that. And if that's you, this is what I'm going to do in a minute. I'm going to ask you to stand. And then I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray for you. That actually, you would get a realization ask God for help that God would do something in your life that you realize you're not doing this on your own anymore that God is with you every day the second people I want to pray for is this I felt like there was somebody here or people here now I'm stepping out in faith a little bit here okay bear with me are you with me now this is a good thing this isn't a bad thing this is a good thing to build someone up I felt there was someone who was like standing on a, a diving board at the swimming baths and they were standing on the diving board and every now and again they'd just do this and the board would go hey this is yeah up and down up and down but nothing happened and I felt like God saying just tell them tell them to take a step tell them to immerse themselves in me and I don't know what that looks like for you but it should affirm to someone in here that God is calling you to make a step of faith it might be baptism I might get baptized no 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 come on God's saying jump come on you can just bounce up on the board all day long but it's not going to jump make a step today I choose I choose to follow Jesus today I choose to obey Jesus to go and love people today I believe and the Holy Spirit's going to come whatever that I'm asking today God I'm here today I don't understand it but I've been on this board for too long and actually what I felt was that the person who's doing it actually just goes round and round and actually struggle with anxiety and it doesn't, do, it doesn't change anything up and down it's nervousness God's saying now jump and the third person was this is this okay you with me the third person was this I saw a desert and in the desert I felt like there was people in the desert it's dry and you're like you don't even know where God is you don't even know why things are happening to you you're wondering why you're in this desert this dry place and this is what I found God say to me tell them Paul I am with them tell them I never leave them God is with you in that desert and actually the desert is a place where you can do one of two things you can walk away and say I I don't believe God or you can say I'm going to dig deeper in the desert I'm going to go say God I don't understand this but I'm going to dig into your truth of who you are and what you say about me And I felt like God was saying to me, in that desert is a place of testing for people. People are tested like Jesus in the desert. And people people are tested with their attitude or what they're going to do with bitterness or hurts. And God's saying, I want you to obey me. I want you to just dig deeper into me. And as you do this, this is what's going to happen. You're going to dig deeper and you're going to find wells in that place. And you're going to come out of there and testify of how good God is. There's three types of people. Does that speak to you? Now, some of you might be saying, oh, I don't want to stand up. That's your choice. I'm not going to force you. 
But if that is affirming, if you think God is speaking to you this morning and affirming something, it shouldn't be something random. It should affirm what is already going on in your life. It should edify, encourage you, and build you up that God is speaking to you this morning. So if any of those are speaking to you this morning, I want you to just stand up. Jesus. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. Some of you weary, come to me. Come to me. Jesus wants to break legalism off your life. Come to me. Spirit brings freedom, not legalism. It doesn't bind you up. He sets you free. Jesus. Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person here. God, I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would affirm things in their life, that they are loved, that they're not not alone, but you are with them. Father, we pray as people take a step of faith today, you would affirm that faith. You You would affirm in their lives that you are God. Jesus. You know, if there's people here today who don't know Jesus, you can stand as well and make a decision for Jesus. I'd encourage you to come to prayer after and tell somebody that you've done that. Take the step of faith today. The rest of us, come on, let's stand. You know, these people, they're not here on their own. These people that are standing, they're a part of us. And I want us all to pray right now for these people. Jesus, come on, join me in prayer. Jesus, we pray for these people, that they would feel a part of your body this morning. Jesus, we pray that they would realize that they're not alone, but they are yoked together. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. They are in this together with us. And Jesus, we pray this morning they would get a sense of being connected into your body. Holy Spirit, this morning, that you would minister to them. You would release them from bondage. That you would break chains over their lives. And Lord, they would realize they're not on their own this morning. Come on, Holy Spirit wants to move right now in people's lives. Come on, some of you here this morning, you don't even know why. God's move, God wants to move right now in your life. He wants to minister to hurt, pain. Even renew memories and create future thinking for people. You look too much in the past rather than looking forward. There's new life available for you this morning. Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus, we thank you that you are with us. We're not alone. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your, you know, your promise of the Holy Spirit and being faithful to that. And Jesus, we thank you for first loving us. Father, I pray that each one of us would go from here filled with your love and go and love others like you have loved us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a round of applause.